Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, please, chapter 3. And again, for those of you who were not here when I initially said this, during uh, the precious time of Holy Communion last time we met, the Holy Spirit assigned me to make communion elements available here for anybody to privately receive, not corporately, not ritualistic, but they are here for you to receive at any time except during the teaching, please. But uh, you just come and receive on your own. I'll have more to say about that in just a few minutes. But you know, uh, what I found in my study of the New Testament about what constitutes a church is a little different than what we see so much. To have a New Testament church, there needs to be the assembling of believers together to worship, to pray, to receive teaching from those in spiritual leadership. The New Testament church, the apostles' teaching in it's not just anybody. It should be those who've been called into spiritual leadership and have the gifting. Worship, prayer, teaching, the fellowship with other believers. A New Testament church should also practice the receiving of Holy Communion and baptism in obedience to the command of Jesus. Once you get past that, You've got a lot of things on the salad bar that you can add or take away. Those are not electives. And as you know, our mission here is simplicity and depth. There are so many wonderful, wonderful ministries and churches all over. And I get this from time to time. There are those who are not particularly uh, don't particularly care for my decision not to have services on the last Sunday of the month. If you had a group of pastors meeting and you said, we're not going to have services on the, at the, uh, on the last Sunday of the month, the other pastors would say, what are you, crazy? They will go somewhere else. And they may like it. It makes me feel good when those of you who feel like that you need to go somewhere on the last Sunday of the month, you go anywhere you want to. You just obey the Lord. He's the only one that owns you. And you just obey the Lord. What we want here 
is for the Lord of the church to connect with you and tell you where he wants you to be. Where should you associate with other believers? Where should you connect with a shepherd, a pastor? And where should you join in fellowship and joint ministry to other believers? And if you answer that, it's okay with me, whatever the Lord tells you. Now, make no mistake about it. My preference would be for the Lord to tell you you need to be here. But I want you to obey the Lord. I treasure you and I thank you for your faithfulness. Having said what I just did, part of what we should be doing as a New Testament church is observing in obedience to the Lord baptism. And I want to answer that. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3 with me just a minute. I want to make a statement here that is going to make some of you uncomfortable. There is no New Testament example of believers following Jesus who did not follow him in baptism. There are no examples of that in the New Testament. It is a vital, important, essential, and holy act. First of all, it was the example of Jesus, who was sinless. Look at verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he followed him. Now look at verse 16. When he had baptized Jesus, when he had been baptized, when he, Jesus, had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water. And behold, the clouds were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, remember, what does the word say about Jesus? I always do the things that I see my Father doing, right? I always say the things I hear my Father saying. Yes? So whose instruction was it for Jesus to be baptized? No way around it. So Jesus, in obedience to his Father, not to succumb to religious tradition or the right thing or the popular thing to do, Jesus, in obedience to the relationship he had with the Father, was baptized. That word baptized is the Greek word baptizo, and it means to immerse. It means to place into. It is Jesus' example. Notice, for those of us who are his disciples, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the last thing Jesus said was, 
Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. It is not only the example of Jesus, it is the command for those who would follow him. If you look in the book of Acts in the early, after Pentecost, you look at the instruction and example of the New Testament church, you cannot find a place where anybody was discouraged from being baptized immediately. The Bible tells us that we are to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be baptized in his name. Over and over again, you, you saw the Apostle Paul, when, after he met the Lord, he went to Ananias. When Ananias prayed for him, scales fell off of him physically from his eyes, and immediately the Bible says he went and was baptized. This was a given in the early church that when you believed, you made Jesus Lord of your life, you were to take a step of obedience and follow the Lord in his example and his command being baptized. You say, well, pastor, what is the deal with that? Well, if we, we, we look at New Testament theology, we find out that baptism is a declaration of a life-changing proportion. It means you are saying openly and publicly, I am committing myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I, I am outwardly professing that I am now identified with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. I am buried to that old way of living and thinking and behaving, and I have been raised to walk in the newness of a new life in Jesus Christ. It is a declaration of my identity. And it is saying, now as I am baptized as an outward expression of the Lord's command and example, I am, I am saying what the scripture says about me, that my old life has lost its power over me. And I now walk in the newness of the life of Jesus. But I want you to notice something in this passage that, to be honest with you, I haven't really Noticed, you say, Pastor, you you're in your past. You you you're in your mid sixties. You're just learning stuff every day, every day. And there's stuff I I just can't wait to share with you. If I'm you, I don't follow somebody that thinks they know it all. Notice verse 17. After he came up out of the water, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God spoke from heaven and he said, I want everybody to know that I am absolutely in love with my son. And I want everybody to know I am well pleased with him. Did you get that? Do you know that part of the reason you should be baptized is so that you can receive the affirmation of God. The Holy Spirit will speak on the inside of you when you follow the Lord in baptism, and he will say to you, I am pleased with you. This blesses me. It is 
and affirmation of God when you take that step. He is, I believe, saying with the inner voice of the Holy Spirit in you as a believer, there is a new connection now. And you know what? I have found that if you profess to know Jesus, for some reason, if you have not been baptized, when you are baptized, there is an internal completion that you don't have until you experience that. I believe that it is so vital to the Lord that that is a completion of what it is that he wants to do on the inside of you. It is an identification and it is a completion. Have you obeyed the Lord? Now, you don't have to be baptized repeatedly. We are to take the Lord's table repeatedly. In fact, I, I want to add to what we talked about last time because the Lord is, he won't release me from it. I want you to turn with me briefly there to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We studied this last time and I, I want to just hit a few points with just putting some emphasis on the Lord's table. And while you're turning, I want to remind you that this afternoon at four o'clock, we're going to be baptizing those who have identified themselves to me. I want to be baptized. We have several candidates who are going to be baptized this afternoon at four. I'm going to let Jim uh, come up here at the end of the service and tell you some things you need to know practically if you choose to witness this. There's information out there on the table if you are a candidate to be baptized. Can I tell you something? This is not a social deal. This is a holy event. It will be a powerful thing. But I also want you to know that what we have discovered the last three weeks now, we're just, we just have a thimbleful of revelation in the ocean that is out there about the Lord's table. I'm praying daily, Lord, give me a greater revelation of how this looks to you. Tell me what this means to you. You know that I encouraged many of you I encouraged you all last week to listen to the Lord. Don't let this be a ritual, but listen to the Lord. And don't be reticent to have Holy Communion privately just between you and Him. Some of you may want to have it as, as a couple or a family. I, I, I've been so encouraged. I've been hearing people say, I'm taking communion privately, or my wife and I have been taking communion, or I have others of you who are taking communion over your business. I am repeatedly taking communion during my week just by myself. And I want you to know that something is changing. And I have asked the Lord, 
Grant all of that which you choose to do in Holy Communion. Grant me greater, greater revelation of it, but I want you over time as you see fit to not only grant me greater revelation, I want you to begin to show me the effects of what you had in mind by this covenant that you want me to enter into repeatedly. We have people in this church who have taken communion every single day when they're fighting sickness and disease. We have had great testimonies. At some point, it'll be the right time for me to let you hear some of those. But what we found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we saw that verse 26, I want to just remind you of two things. I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. As often, verse 26, 11 of 1 Corinthians, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Now bear that in mind. We studied last time about how the Corinthians, without knowledge, the Corinthians had made a mockery of the Lord's table. They were getting drunk, they were being selfish, they were treating it as an add-on ritual instead of a holy occasion. And we see where last week we understood where in verse 27 that it is the unworthy manner. Some people have mistakenly taught that you ought not to receive communion if you're unworthy. My Lord, that exempt every one of us. He's talking about all the attitude. Don't do it with an attitude of recklessness. We looked again at verse 29 last week. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner with disregard and disrespect, ritualistic, eats and drinks judgment, discipline to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We talked the last time about discerning the Lord's body. If you read the context there, you'll find out that if we don't discern the body of the Lord, look at verse 30, for this reason many are sick, weak, sick, and many sleep. That is the sleep of premature death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would discipline ourselves, we would not be disciplined. Everybody say this with me. The Lord has given me a choice. I can be self-disciplined or I can be disciplined from the outside. How many of you know which is better? Why would the Lord even discipline me? The word says whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. His discipline is never punitive. It's not, I'm mad at you, I'm going to spank you. His discipline is never punitive. It is always restorative. It is always healing and nurturing in nature. We make the choice, but in Holy Communion, we have the opportunity to come and examine ourselves. And I remind you that the Word says to examine yourself and then eat. It doesn't say examine yourself and not eat. As we deal with those issues, the Lord may show us. Now, I wanted to reemphasize a couple of things here. 
I want you to know that when you proclaim the Lord's death, part of what you do when you take the Lord's table is you are proclaiming the Lord's death. Last time we talked about how you are saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. The blood is the new covenant in his, the the wine is the new covenant in his blood. Do you know what that new covenant did? If you look it up, it says that he has chosen to totally forget all your sins. He has placed his spirit on the inside of you. There is a renewed intimacy with you because of that new covenant in his blood. This right here is a renewal of your vows to accommodate intimacy. That's the purpose. A renewal of vows to accommodate and facilitate intimacy. We also talked about how practically, as you proclaim the Lord's death, what all was in the Lord's death? Are you forgiven? Are you now cleared for the Holy Spirit to come to live on the inside of you? Has the curse of your sin been taken? Well, what else? We saw last time how in Matthew 8, 17 that the Word says, that Jesus cast out the demons with a word and healed all who were sick in order that the word of the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled saying he himself took our infirmities and carried our diseases. First Peter 2 24 who himself bore in his own body our sins on the tree and by whose stripes we are healed. When you enter into the Lord's table, you are saying, and I, I promise you that if I'm you, if I've got some disorder going on in my body, I promise you, you ought to go to the Lord's table and say, Lord, I pray that everything you took in your own broken body on the cross and all the curse, I by faith receive. Restored order in my internal man and our external man. The the failure to discern the Lord's body is not the reason for all sickness and disease. The Bible does not teach that contrary to what some radio preachers would tell you. But how many of you know, regardless of the cause of that disease, there is a price that has been paid. I'm very well aware, very well aware that ownership always trumps benefits. I know that whether I live, I live to the Lord. And whether I die, I die to the Lord. Whether I live therefore or die, I am the Lord's. And my exit to be in that eternal state that God can't wait to receive me in, I know that however my exit is, nothing, nothing Nothing can stop what was paid at the cross. And I want you to know that whether I receive a temporary manifestation of physical healing or whether I get to exit into the full glory of God, I'm okay with both of those. But I want to tell you something. As long as you are here, and your mission is, has not been fulfilled. You ought to go before the Lord 
and by faith celebrate the renewal of that covenant in application of the physical benefits of your covenant. We talked about how if you were a... Do you you not believe that the curse of violated law of God, the violation of the righteousness of God, do you not believe that the blessing of the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you are a son and a daughter of Abraham through faith, do you not believe that there's blessing released and available to you in that covenant? Do you know that when you come to this table and you receive this broken body and shed blood, you are saying, I am a candidate for the blessing of God. I'm a child of Abraham through faith in the one who died for me and shed his blood on my behalf. We talked about last time, and this is where I want to take just another step further. We don't have a good, clear view of receiving the Lord's table and what it says to your enemies. Do you believe that there is an arch enemy who has a network of helpers who are acting for your demise? You can't even believe the New Testament if you don't believe that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the destruction of fortresses, but we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, and world forces of this darkness. There is one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, who has always got a bad agenda for you. Do you not believe that? Do you know that when you take this table, when you are doing so in faith and obedience, You are making a holy statement, and I want to expand on that just a little bit from last time. Turn with me to Ephesians, please. Chapter 3, I want you to see something. Ephesians chapter 3, we talked about last time how. You say, well, pastor, you talked about this last time. Look, can I tell you all something? Those of you who are in ministry, those of you who are in leadership and business, never make the mistake of believing that because you say something once, everybody got it. No, y'all faded out on me about five times already just in the course of this message. I understand that. I get it. So don't flatter yourself into thinking that if you say something once, they got it. No. No. Now see, some of you are coming back in. I can feel it. (laughs) Ephesians 3. Talking about the, the verse 8, the, I am less, Paul says, than the least of all the saints. This grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known By who? By the church 
to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We explained last time how heavenly places is not the throne room of God. It is a realm in the atmosphere above the earth and in the atmosphere around interstellar space, we call it, where the demonic spirits can move and operate according to their agendas. It is the responsibility of the church, you and me, born again in the blood of Jesus, you and I who are in holy covenant to proclaim to these principalities and powers in heavenly places what is the wisdom of God. Well, pastor, what is the wisdom of God? Boy, I'm glad you asked that. Turn back to the left. Hold your place there. And let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What is the wisdom of God? Oh, we're solving a mystery here today. Thank you, Lord. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross, is that about the Lord's death? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right, now back to our Ephesians passage. We are, as the church, to preach the manifold wisdom of God. What does God say is his wisdom? The cross. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians 11. So what are we doing when we receive Holy Communion? We are proclaiming the death of the Lord until he comes. Do y'all get it? Do you not? Do you get it? Do you understand that when you take this bread and you take this wine and representing the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, that you are not only entering into that covenant, but you are proclaiming to the evil one, you take your hands off of me and my family, I belong to Jesus. You are defeated. Turn to the right, to the book of Colossians. I didn't get here last week. I want to show you something. Chapter 2, please. Colossians. Pastor, what are you talking about? You are the enforcement agency on the earth. You don't have the authority, Jesus has the authority. But you have the right to operate in the authority that he's granted you. Colossians chapter two, and you, verse 13, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to what? Having, look at, look what happened when he nailed it to the cross. All those righteous standards that we had violated were nailed to the cross. Notice what happened in verse 15. Having disarmed, principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
When Jesus Christ went on the cross and took on his own body every violation in my thoughts, my words, my actions, and yours, they were nailed to the cross and God's righteous requirement was fulfilled at the cross. Do you know that when you become the enforcement agency, you not only have the right to speak by confession the word of God, you have, when you take this wine and this bread, you are proclaiming the Lord's death which says you are defeated. You have no rights over me. There is a celebration in the heavenlies when you do that in faith. And I want you to know there is a shaking and a moving and a pouting of demonic principalities and powers when they recognize that you are getting it. You take that wine and that bread to your business and you say, this business was given to me by God Almighty. You have no right to steal, kill, and destroy. This is under the blessing and covenant of God. I demand you to get off this property. I demand you to cease and desist in your assignments against anything and everything that has to do with the blessing and the wisdom that God has given to this company. You leave my employees alone. You leave my leadership alone. You leave my revenues alone. In the name of Jesus, I demand you to cease and desist. Some of you need to enforce that in your own household. You can feel the atmosphere. You can sense that the enemy is trying to operate. Some of you need to get there as leaders of your own household. Get before the Lord, plead that blood, and enter into that holy covenant. Sickness, blessing, Spiritual attack. Mama. The word says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 that we have been baptized into his death. When you by faith receive the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit placed you into immersed you into the death and every benefit of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for us to have it revealed to us and to step into it. I am encouraging you to take ownership of this where you are. Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. Yes, you are a priest and a king in the eyes of the Lord Jesus. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.